You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So do you know anybody in your world, your sphere of influence, who needs to be reconciled with somebody else, reconciled with others? I'm going to use a real specific definition because we all got different definitions. So when I use the term reconciled, I'm using, uh, I think, a more biblical one where it comes from you've forgiven them, at least on your part, and you have peace with them, at least on your part, and you're navigating a new relationship, whatever that needs to be. It may need to be different than what it was before. You know, who needs to be reconciled together. It does not mean reconciled, does not mean you trust them. It does not mean you're unified with them moving forward. It does not mean that you're ready for partnership. It means forgiveness, peace, and what does this new relationship need to be? Maybe it's you. Maybe you're thinking, I cannot believe we're talking about this topic. Did someone tell the church about my life? Well, we planned this. A year and a half ago, 18 months ago, this week, this topic, God knew. Maybe you're a student and you're at our Olathe campus and there's somebody in your school you need to be reconciled with. Maybe you're a single and you're at Overland Park and so you're in the venue and you're somebody in your family you need to be reconciled with. Maybe you're married and you're in the auditorium at Overland Park and you need to be reconciled with your spouse. Maybe you're online. And there's somebody you live by or you work with, and you're thinking, I cannot believe we're talking about this topic. You be reconciled with somebody else. So I received a story this week. I'm going to keep them anonymous. We're going to use the name Lane. And so Lane has a story. See if you can actually relate to Lane's story. Uh, Here it is. For more than 20 years, I had an estranged relationship with my mom. It didn't even feel like we had a real relationship. It was so surfacey. I could write the script I had with my mom for every encounter. I could guess how my mom would act, how she'd guilt, how she'd manipulate me, and how I'd feel about it all. Lane wrote, I'd cringe when her name would come up as an incoming call or text. I'd share as little as possible with my mom about my life. It seemed to me I had three bad options. Option one, be fake with her and miserable. Option two, constantly confront her. Option three, cut her out of my life. I've done all three with her over 20 years at some point or another. And even though I felt justified in my three options, I did not have peace. I was bitter. I did not think there was an option number four. Can you relate to that? Do you find yourself in need, or somebody you know, in need of reconciling with others? And so we're, we actually started a series last week. We talked about rec- our series called Reconciled. Last week was Reconciling with God. And I encourage you, if you did not hear it, you missed it, I urge you, I beg you, go online. You often cannot reconcile with others until you first reconcile with God. There's internal work that needs to happen. And God used that message last week, some 60 baptisms that are two locations, and most of those baptisms were spontaneous. They were unplanned, showed up, yes, I want to follow Jesus, which was incredible. Go online and pick that up. This week is reconciling with others. And if you find yourself in a situation that you need reconciling with others, God knows all about your situation. He knows every detail. He knows it better than you know it. And God cares. He actually cares more than you care about it. He cares about you 
and that situation. And he has direction for you in the scripture that we're going to talk about today. So it's perfectly time for you or those you know being reconciled with others. And so uh, if you're a person who ever prays, would you join me in prayer? Sometimes it's easy to let somebody else pray. Would you join me and just pray with me for people everywhere, maybe sitting next to you, uh, at a different campus than you, online somewhere? Would you beg God with me uh, on behalf of people? Join me in prayer. Lord, we come to you, and we just beg you that you would do work that only you can do. Your Holy Spirit, God. Would you set people free? Help us to see what reconciliation is, what it looks like. Would you begin that work of reconciling with other people? Give us direction from your word. Would you give us promptings, guidance from your Holy Spirit for our unique situation? Would you work in people near us and around us or watching online, a different room location for us? Those in the venue, may your spirit fill that room. Those in Olathe, may they be so overwhelmed by your Holy Spirit that, God, they are ready now to reconcile. Let me take that next step. I pray you'd move. I pray people far from you who have not accepted Christ would do so today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to be in Matthew 5. If you want to join me in Matthew chapter 5. Our ushers in all of our locations have Bibles, and you can raise your hand, get a hold of a Bible. Matthew chapter 5, you can borrow that or keep that as our church's gift to you. Um, so our church is all about helping you become a follower of Jesus. That's our job, helping you follow Jesus. We phrase it like our vision is to help everyone become an outward focused follower of Jesus. So as part of helping you follow Jesus, here's my question. Are you a person who recognizes when Jesus is at work inside of you and around you? Like that's a huge moment. You cannot follow Jesus unless you're partnering with him. You cannot partner with him unless you recognize him. Do you, are you a person who says yes? When you sense God's starting to move, do you say yes? I want to follow Jesus. I want to partner with Jesus. I'm going to share four ways that you can actually see Jesus. When you start to see Jesus move in the area of reconciliation, you can actually partner with him. You can see he's moving. You can follow him and say yes and partner with Jesus as he begins work of reconciliation. So the first thought is this. If you're taking notes of four thoughts. Number one, when God starts to move to reconcile, you're going to see, number one, Jesus initiates reconciliation. Jesus is going to initiate reconciliation. So which one is more like you? Are you a person who initiates reconciliation? You're the bigger person. You're the more courageous person. When a conversation just happened, you make it. Even if you're not at fault, they're the one who needs to talk to you. You follow Christ. You initiate. Or are you the person who waits? Well, that's their issue. They know my phone number. They know where I live. They can get a hold of me. See, when God starts to move, he will start to prompt you to initiate reconciliation. You see that, by the way, Matthew chapter 5, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It's a specific situation that applies to all of us. When you come to worship, God will place thoughts in your mind about somebody else. Verse 23, uh, Matthew five twenty-three. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, let's come into worship. And there, remember, there's God putting a thought in your mind. Remember that your brother has something against you. Okay, they might be wrong. Like you did nothing wrong, but they have it against you. Or they might be right. Maybe you did something. But you, God places that thought in worship. What do you do? Leave. Leave, verse 24 says. Wouldn't it be cool, like all of our locations? Half you will just get up and you just leave. Just go into reconcile. That'd be both amazing and horrifying. Leave. Could my self-esteem suffer that? Leave. 
leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Like, so Jesus here said there are times God will place a thought in your mind. You need to go out. They have the issue and you need to initiate that. Like God will do that either from the Bible saying it, which you just did, or from the Holy Spirit prompting you. Is God prompting you to initiate reconciliation? Back to Lane's story. Lane wrote this about how they were prompted to initiate reconciliation, saw the hand of God prompting that. Lane wrote, it seemed to me I had three bad options with my mom. Be fake with her and miserable, or constantly confront her, or cut her out of my life. I didn't think there was an option four, option four, that God could change how I feel about her first. Lane wrote, several things happened to me to initiate reconciliation. Prayer. I prayed for my mom in this relationship for years. Counseling. I went to three to four months of intense, important counseling. A dream. I dreamed I was in a car with my mom. She was driving the car all over the road, and I was shouting at her, trying to take control of the wheel from her. A prompting. As I was retelling the dream the next day, I realized I was in my dream. I was trying to control my mom's life and fix her. A messenger. A different person, a woman, randomly told me that Jesus can't just be in the front seat with you. Bring up this driving analogy, randomly. He needs to be driving the car. (laughs) And so Lane wrote, I connected her random story about Jesus driving the car with my dream, trying to wrestle the the steering wheel away from my mom. And I realized, oh my goodness, that's me. And I initiated reconciliation. See, Lane saw that Jesus was on the move. Jesus was prompting this initiating of reconciliation. Somebody who'd wounded her over and over, over the years. Do you need to be reconciled to begin that process of reconciliation? So the second thing that happens to you when Jesus begins to move in your life, number two, Jesus focuses us on our own heart. Jesus focuses us on our own heart, number two. So, this is a hard one, because when, you're, when you've been hurt by somebody, it's a lot easier to focus on their heart, because we know their heart is wrong, right? Come on. They're wrong. They messed up. And so it's so easy to focus on the state of their heart instead of your own heart. One of the big dangers, though, is you focus more on their heart than yours. Twice as often in Galatians 6, twice as often, four times, God tells you to focus on your own heart when you're helping somebody else, versus twice on them. Twice as often. Why? It's such a danger. And Jesus will focus you on the state of your own heart. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, it says, down in verse 1. Galatians 6, 1 says this. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass. Okay, something happened that's overwhelmed them. It's beyond their ability. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's just, it's not a sin. It's just some sort of thing in their life that's taking preeminence. You who are spiritual, there's the first check. Yes, am I in this situation led by the Spirit? You who are spiritual, you're focusing on your own heart. Am I connected to Christ right now in His Holy Spirit? You are spiritual, restore such a one. That's them focused. What's the goal? Never telling them where they're wrong. Any person can do that. The goal is to restore what God intended Restore in the spirit of gentleness. Another check of the heart. Is my spirit gentle? Or do I want to crush them? Well, that's not gentle. 
at all. Spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself. A third check. Lest you also be tempted. It's super easy to to be tempted, to be hypercritical, forget where you came from, who you really are, judgmental. Considering yourself. Lest you also be tempted. Bear, verse 2, bear one another's burdens. That's them focused now. Burdens are things beyond what one person should actually carry themselves. We share those, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is loving others as Christ loved us, sacrificially. Verse 3, another focus on our own heart. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, I'm somebody, when he is nothing, I'm nobody, he deceives himself. Like the monitoring. Am I, am I deceiving myself in the situation? Thinking I am somebody that I'm not, but I'm actually nothing outside of Christ. So like twice as often you see right here, God focuses us. When Jesus starts to move, not only will he move you to initiate reconciliation, be the more loving, more gracious, more courageous person, he'll also focus you twice as often on monitoring the state of your own heart. Um, Lane's story. Lane wrote this. The change that happened in my story of reconciliation wasn't a change in circumstances or a change in my mom who'd wounded me. It was a change in my heart. As I became open to option number four, that God could change how I feel first, God began to work. This is the exciting part. Somehow, supernaturally, I no longer needed the affirmation from my mom to heal my pain. Lane wrote, this is because my heart had been reconciled to Jesus. Putting my trust in him, put more of his heart in me. I've described it now as being a prisoner who was set free. Literally seeing my mom with new eyes, with the eyes of God. When God starts to move in your life, Jesus begins to move. You're going to see him prompt you to focus more on your own heart than on their heart. Is Jesus prompting you to focus on the state of your heart? A third thing that happens when Jesus begins to move. Number three, Jesus creates healthy boundaries. He creates healthy boundaries in reconciliation. Now, there is a great book on this topic, by the way. Uh, it's called Boundaries. I don't know if you've ever read this before, but or get a hold of it. Some people, you need to get a hold of the book Boundaries, written by Cloud and Townsend. It has the combination of biblical basis and modern psychological research which is gold because quite often if there's any truth in a book you see out there, I'm talking leadership book, uh, self-help book, those kinds of things, whatever it is, those truths were already in the Bible. And whether the authors realized it or not, they have plagiarized truths that were already there. It's really good. Boundaries, by the way, uh, they talk about need to have healthy boundaries. So we, we shouldn't have walls. That's not boundaries. Walls are what we put up to defend ourselves from others, not let them in. That's not healthy. But also being a person without borders. Well, that's not healthy. Letting any yahoo in to control your soul is not healthy. Healthy boundaries have fences and gates. Fences to keep the bad out, the good in. Gates to let the bad out of you. Gates to allow others access the good into you. Those are healthy boundaries. And they do come from the Bible. This is really hard because there were a lot of verses that ended on the cutting room floor. I really wanted to talk about with this. Landed on three of them after prayer and conversation. Three healthy boundaries Jesus creates. The first one is right there in Galatians 6, verse 5. So right after Galatians 6, 2, Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear one another's burdens. 
Burdens are things beyond your responsibility, beyond your ability. We're supposed to carry those for each other. But what does verse 5 say? For each one shall bear his own load. Even though we're called to bear each other's burdens beyond what one person could sustain, it doesn't mean I'm supposed to carry your load or you're supposed to carry my load. What is your load? That is your responsibility, your attitude, your actions. Here's where boundaries are unhealthy. When you feel personally responsible for doing someone else's life for them, that's an unhealthy boundary. It's an unhealthy boundary when you feel personally responsible for their attitude. That's their load. Everyone should bear their own load. That's not my load. When you feel responsible for their actions, I can't believe they're doing this. Why are they doing this? I just feel what I did. If I just changed something in me, they would, no, no, that's unhealthy. You bear their burdens. Everyone should carry their own load. Guess what Jesus does when he creates some healthy boundaries? In reconciliation, he'll create, create clearer walls between, clearer fences and, not walls, fences and gates between you. Where does your responsibility end? And there start. Healthy boundaries. Great book. Great principle. All right, second healthy boundary you see is back in Proverbs. Just because you reconcile doesn't mean you trust them. You can reconcile, which is forgive. We have peace, new relationship, without trusting them at all. Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25, verse 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble. It's like a bad tooth. Ah, you got this tooth that doesn't hurt until you use it. And ah, a bad tooth. Or it's also, and it's a foot out of joint. So you twisted your ankle, and it doesn't hurt until you try to walk. That's what an unfaithful person is like. See, when you don't have to rely on them, that unfaithful man, woman, that unfaithful ankle, you feel fine because you don't have to use them. But if you actually have to eat or go anywhere, that's what it's like to trust somebody who's untrustworthy. You see, trust is, like, um, trust is like those stalactites and stalagmites in a cave. Stalactites come down. Stalagmites go, grow up. They grow up over time. Drip, drip, drip. When you break someone's trust, you snap it off. Look at this. I broke t- trust totally. It takes a while to build up trust, but you can break it instantly. Trust can be rebuilt. How is trust rebuilt? Daily drips of faithfulness. Today, tomorrow, the next day, drip, faithful, faithful, faithful. You can rebuild trust. But when you reconcile, unhealthy boundary is, well, why don't you trust me now? Because you snapped off the stalactite. Because you're a tooth that hurts to use. You're an ankle that hurts to use. Of course I don't trust you yet. I forgive you. I have peace with you. We're navigating a good relationship new. And then we're going to figure out whether I should trust you in the future. Healthy boundaries. Third principle is found back in Hebrews. Because just because you reconcile with someone doesn't mean that you compromise your morals, your integrity, beliefs. There's a thought out there today that we should have peace at all costs, which means at the cost of what you believe, what you stand for, what you, what you say, what you do. I, I'm going to have peace with this person. I will, I will compromise anything to be at peace with you. No, no, it's peace plus holiness. I'm going to pursue peace, but I'm also pursuing God and holiness, which means being separate. It's Proverbs, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people. Okay, so I'm going to chase after peace. Peace sometimes is not possible with some people. 
It's a pursuit. It's what Romans 12 says, Romans 12, 18, I think, that if it's possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably. Sometimes they won't allow you to have peace. But you can reconcile. You can forgive them. You have peace, at least on your part. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. That's the following God's side. It is not pursue peace at all costs. It's pursue peace and follow the Lord without which no one will see the Lord. At some point, um, you have to choose. Who do you really care about pleasing? Is it people or God? Is it yourself or God? And at some point, as you pursue peace, they don't like your beliefs. They don't like what you do, what you stand for, what you give, how you serve. They don't like that. That's too bad, too bad, too bad. Join the too bad line in my world. Too bad, too bad, too bad, because God is pleased He's happy, which puts you in the too bad line. Like you cannot even follow Jesus unless you're willing to say, if you're a super people pleaser, it's very hard for you to follow Jesus because it's hard for you to care more about God's opinion than not. By the way, if you're not a people pleaser, it's really hard for you to follow Jesus. It's the opposite. Did you catch that? Because you're so into being independent, God can't lead you. It's hard to follow Jesus, isn't it? Like both of us, it's hard to follow And so having healthy boundaries means that I'm going to follow holiness. I'm going to pursue after peace. And when you you actually do this, Jesus reveals unhealthy boundaries, makes them healthy. So Lane's story again, three unhealthy boundaries were discovered. Lane wrote, unhealthy boundary one, I realized I I was trying to do what only Jesus can do in my mom's life. Like I was trying to grab the wheel and do what only God can do. I was trying to make her better, change her, convict her, heal her brokenness, reconcile her broken relationships. That's an unhealthy boundary. That is, that is her mom's load. Every person should carry their own load. Unhealthy boundary number two. I realized I was looking to my mom for affirmation. I wanted my mom's apology and sorriness to heal my hurt. Well, that's idolatry. You can't have somebody else heal what only God can heal. That's idolatry. Uh, This person goes on. We often look to the person who wounded us for affirmation. We want them to acknowledge the pain they've caused and apologize and beg our forgiveness. The truth is, only Jesus can heal us. Unhealthy boundary. Uh, People can't fix you. Only God can fix you and heal you. Unhealthy boundary three. No more could I make excuses or justify the walls that I'd built around me. We do that because of legitimate hurt and defensiveness instead i was thinking of ways i could serve and bless her i remember thinking clearly if jesus said to love and bless my enemies surely he can give me the ability to love and bless my own mom he's asked me to bless and serve her this has been a freedom anthem to smother my hurts bitterness and resentments jesus creates healthy boundaries he prompts us to initiate reconciliation he focuses us on our own heart what is the state of our heart he creates some healthy fences and gates around us not walls and not a person without borders he does one more thing remember reconciliation is a combination of i've forgiven you and i'm at peace with you as far as my side is and uh, we're figuring out what this new relationship is because it may need to be different than before but the start of that is forgiveness So let's talk about that then. So number four, when Jesus is moving, guess what he does? He empowers us to forgive. Jesus empowers us to forgive. Reconciliation takes one person to initiate, but two to participate. 
Forgiveness only takes one person, though. You can forgive someone who is not there, who is not sorry, who is not alive. Now, the real, what's the risk of not forgiving someone? Because there's people, all of us have these moments that we've not truly been set free. And in us, we think, what's the big deal? It's huge. It's like leaving, what if the doctor told you, well, we found one cell of cancer. It's only one cell. Would you say, well, whoo, all right, we'll leave it. It's only one cell of cancer. That baby's going to spread. One cell is too many. What if you had a big old field where people play? It's a huge field. There's only one landmine out there. What is the likelihood of someone stepping on that landmine? It's just one landmine. Unforgiveness is that single cell of cancer in your soul. It's that landmine you bury. And if you don't address unforgiveness, it's going to turn to bitterness. It's a landmine. Someone's going to step on it. It's going to spring out of you. And even if they're not alive or not around, that unreconciled deal in your soul is going to spring out of you and blow up on somebody else, and it's unrelated to them. You're unleashing this unreconciled stuff from the past on someone who's there. It's going to hurt people. That's what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says. Hebrews 12, 15 says, Looking carefully, we've got to really look for that single cell, that one landmine, looking carefully lest anyone falls short of the grace of God, falling short of the undeserved goodness God offers us, lest any root of bitterness, that single cell of cancer, that one landmine of unforgiveness, that root of bitterness, springing out, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So guys, we have to address forgiveness. When God's moving to reconcile, he'll address forgiveness. I've come up with a three-tiered system for kind of biblical New Testament forgiveness over the years. I characterize it as regular strength forgiveness medicine. Then there's extra strength forgiveness. And then, oh my goodness, there is prescription strength forgiveness, which tastes really bad going down. Okay, let me share these three with you because you may need to forgive. So you can write these verses down, look them up later. Forgiveness. What is regular strength forgiveness? That's Ephesians 4.32. Write down Ephesians 4.32. This is regular strength forgiveness. And I say regular. It's only regular for those who know Jesus as Savior. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, I can talk about this. You can conceptually understand this. You can't do this. Why? You've never felt what it's like to be forgiven when you don't deserve it. Your forgiveness has always been earned by somebody. So what happens for a Christian is that we realize our forgiveness. How does God forgive us? Ephesians 4.32 says, forgive somebody else just like God in Christ forgave you. So how are we forgiven? When I was forgiven, when you were forgiven, we're not forgiven because we deserve it. We're not forgiven because we'll try harder. We're not forgiven because we asked right. We're forgiven. God says, Tim, okay, I forgive you of this. And by the way, that apology kind of stinks. You need to apologize for that terrible apology. And by the way, I forgive you, not because you deserve it, not because you earned it, not because you're going to try harder, not because you feel bad enough. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. I forgive you because I put your sin on my son. I let my son suffer and pay for that. I accept what Jesus did on your behalf. That's why I forgive you. What is regular strength forgiveness? Telling somebody, listen, maybe you don't deserve it. Maybe you don't feel bad enough. Maybe you not apologize the right way. I set you free because I also accept the suffering of Jesus on your behalf. Because if you don't, what what, what do you become? 
First of all, a hypocrite. Christians who don't forgive are totally hypocritical. So we'll accept God's forgiveness, not give it to others. That is hypocrisy. And become an affront to Almighty God. What we're saying is this. God, you may accept Jesus' Jesus, uh, suffering. That's not good enough for me. I want Jesus' peace, and I want them to hurt. So you not become like a total hypocrite when you don't forgive as a Christian. You also be an affront to Almighty God and His sacrifice, downplaying how good Jesus was. Terrible situation. That is regular strength forgiveness. Maybe you need to regularly strength forgive somebody saying, I set them free. I have people say this. I set you free. I accept Jesus' suffering for what you did. There's power in that. Sometimes you do that and you still can't get past it. Got to go back to the pharmacy. Order some extra strength forgiveness, my friend. You can write down Matthew 18, 15. Matthew 18, 15. That's extra strength forgiveness. That's where you've done that, but you're still upset. You can't get past it. You've done that. The emotion is still there. You need to have a conversation with them. And it's extra strength because it's extra harder than just that. That's you going one-on-one. Matthew 18, 15. Go one-on-one to somebody who hurt you, who offended you, who you think did something. Conversation. Don't gossip to others one-on-one. If they don't listen, you can escalate that. Bring in one or two more. Now there's three or four people. They're not here to take your side. They're here to make sure there's good communication. If it's an issue that's a sin issue, you can escalate it again. Then bring church leadership in. Say, hey, what, what, what do we do about this thing? But extra strength forgiveness is having a conversation. Maybe you need to have a conversation with somebody. But then there's prescription strength forgiveness. And boy, this tastes bad going down. Because sometimes you have forgiven them. Sometimes you have uh, like had a conversation or you couldn't have a conversation. But now you're still angry from time to time. That's Matthew 5.44. Write down Matthew 5.44. Prescription strength forgiveness. So what is prescription strength forgiveness? Jesus said, Matthew 5, 44, if somebody's hurting you and they're in the act of it, they're not stopping. They're abusing you. They're your enemy. They're cursing you. How do you respond? Well, Jesus said, love them. Jesus said, do good things for them. Like Romans 12 even says, like, get them food and drink. Like, buy them gift cards. Bring them lunch, coffee. Like, do things for your... But they're my enemy. Yes, it's prescription strength. It tastes terrible going down. Jesus said to pray for that person and bless them. Personal story. So last year, it was last fall, I... um, Many of you know that several years ago, my wife and I, our kids, went through a nightmarish thing. Many of you went through it with us as we lost our adoption. We gave back our baby girl back to the birth parents who changed their mind. It was a nightmare. It was horrible. And I have done regular strength forgiveness over the years, many times. I had forgiven them based on Christ, forgiven them based on Christ. I never had a conversation that really isn't appropriate for what they want and um, you know, re- me to reach out. I mean, it's not appropriate. So last fall, I noticed something about myself. Every time the topic of them would come up, I'd be angry. Like, not a little angry. I was a lot angry. I'm like, why? So last fall, I, it, I was Matthew 5, 44. I'm like, okay, I need to do this. So I put their names on my prayer list. And I prayed every day for God to bless them. Here's what I prayed for them. God, bless them financially. Bless their jobs. Bless their soul, their spirit. Give them joy in life. This, these are my enemies who wouldn't be deeply. 
I'm asked for God to bless them, give them joy in life and happiness. Yes, save them. But even if you don't, pour out your blessing. They don't even know where it's coming from. And every prayer was poison in my mouth. Every prayer was bitterness. Where the bitterness was in here. Praying it, I tasted the bitterness. So I prayed that five, six times a week for two months until I finally prayed it. And it didn't taste bad. And I really, I wasn't angry. And I really wanted God to bless them. These people who hurt me and those I love so desperately. I had taken prescription strength forgiveness for two months, praying, God bless them, God bless them, God bless them. This is such a big issue. Probably after that happened, probably seven times over the last year, I've, people have come to me with issues. I can't get past it person who did something to me, maybe they know them really well, maybe they don't, and I've shared this, this three-tiered system, I share prescription strength, one person out of seven would even entertain it, it's too painful, they were too angry to even pray, for, and I get it, have people come back, can we have a counseling meeting again, I said, you ready to talk about prescription strength forgiveness, nope, I said, no need to waste our time, we don't need to waste our, God's already told us what to do. When you're ready to talk, when you're ready to put their first name on your list, we'll talk. Until then, let's not kid ourselves. Jesus said what to do. Do you need to take prescription strength, forgiveness? Here's how the story with Lane ends. I prayed for over 20 years for God to heal this relationship, but it wasn't until God showed me my need for him once again that it could be healed. I was freed from lies, wounds, and chains. With this change of heart in me, God's gone above and beyond what I ever imagined he could. I've been encouraged by my mom, remembered the good memories, seen the beauty of his hand through her. Still, over a year later, at this point, I have zero bitterness toward her. She's very much a part of my life now. Even as I read this, I'm in awe at the one who makes the the impossible possible. Thank you, Jesus. Lane concludes this way. I know so many of us are needing reconciliation with our, our immediate family. Reconciliation is proof that God can do anything. Is Jesus moving you to initiate reconciliation or focus on your heart or develop healthy boundaries or engage in one level or another of forgiveness with someone? Let's pray. God, I pray you would set our church free, set our people free. May we see you as followers of Jesus. When you're starting to move in ways around us, may we say yes and partner with you and do those things, take those steps, engage in our own heart and others in ways that you're prompting us to, that we're partnering, we're following you. Help those who don't have Jesus, who don't get this yet, who haven't been forgiven, receive the forgiveness of Christ. Work reconciliation, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.